Hi, and welcome back to the Itchy Podcast. My name is Lindsay, and I'm the Managing Editor for Infection Control and Hospital Epidemiology, or Itchy. Itchy is the official journal for the Society for Healthcare Epidemiology of America. In each episode of the Itchy Podcast, we hear from authors of articles recently published in the journal. Today's episode features two articles from the October 2019 issue. That's volume 40, issue 10. First, we hear from Misha Devshand and Jason Tribbiano, authors of the article, Outcomes of an Electronic Medical Record-Driven Intensive Care Unit Antimicrobial Stewardship Ward Round, Assessing the Five Moments of Antimicrobial Prescribing. Then, Shoyan Song joins us to discuss her article, Impact of Decolonization on MRSA Transmission and Infection in a Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. Listeners should note that this article is available for journal CME. Go to learningce.shay-online.org and browse the course catalog for journal CME 2019 to quickly and easily earn your credits. And remember that all journal CME is free for Shay members. After listening, please be sure to go to the October issue to read the full articles discussed in this episode. Joining us first today are Misha Devshand and Jason Trubiano, two of the authors of the article, Outcomes of an EMR-Driven Intensive Care Unit Antimicrobial Stewardship Ward Round, Assessing the Five Moments of Antimicrobial Prescribing. Misha and Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we get started, would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Um, so my name is Misha Devchand. I'm an AMS and infectious diseases pharmacist um, at the Austin Hospital in Melbourne, Australia. And I'm Dr. Jason Tribbiano. I'm an infectious disease physician and director of antimicrobial stewardship at Austin Health and a research fellow for the University of Melbourne. Great. Well, thanks for joining us today. To begin, would you give our listeners a little bit of the background for this study? So the study was based on the fact that we had implemented a new intervention, which was an um, antimicrobial stewardship intensive care unit ward round. Um, And we implemented this ward round because we noticed that we were having increased use of our target antimicrobials, um, which are commonly used antimicrobials such as meropenem, vancomycin, keftriaxone, and piprozil and tazobactam. Um, And so the concept behind this study was to look at um, the effect of implementing a new ICU antimicrobial stewardship ward round and seeing the effects of that on our antimicrobial prescribing and usage. So the, uh, the other addition to the, to the paper and the manuscript was to try and provide a framework where all antimicrobial stewardship pharmacists and physicians could categorise the common interventions we do in our everyday practice. And that's summarised in our five moments AMS rubric uh, that we've outlined in the paper as well. And so what exactly did you do in this study and what did you find? So we presented a model for an ICU antimicrobial stewardship service that integrated an electronic component and a physical component. So we looked at the benefits of an EMR-driven component, and that was that it streamlined the review and the assessment of antimicrobial prescribing within an ICU. Um, And then we followed this by a physical or a face-to-face component. Um, And we had an ID clinician, an ID fellow, and an ID pharmacist who met Um, with at least one member of the ICU team to discuss all patients prescribed antimicrobials on weekdays. And then we looked at all the recommendations that we made during this service um, and how how many of these recommendations were utilised by the ICU team. Um, The second part 
of our paper was that we introduced the five moments of AMS, um, which is a metric that we developed in order to classify and measure common AMS recommendations or outcomes. And what were your findings? Um, so we found that ICU accepted 86.1% of the recommendations that we made, so that the ICU AMS service made. Um, in terms of antimicrobial usage, the program was associated with an immediate decrease in the use of meropenem, vancomycin and piperacillin tazobactam. Um, and in addition, it was also associated with an ongoing monthly reduction in vancomycin usage. We were also able to demonstrate an increase in antimicrobial prescribing appropriateness. And this is something that we do yearly through our national antibiotic prescribing survey. So that's an audit that we do on a yearly basis. And we were able to show that pre-intervention, our antibiotic, our antimicrobial prescribing in ICU was 46.7%, and post-intervention, it was 76.9% of our antimicrobials were appropriate. We also were able to demonstrate that the usefulness of the five moments metric for measuring common AMS outcomes, and that was things such as we were able to demonstrate the majority of recommendations made to the ICU were about moment three, which was discontinuation of antimicrobials. And in addition, I think, you know, in summary, we were able to demonstrate uh, across three key areas of AMS, we were able to demonstrate engagement and compliance with our ICU colleagues, a reduction in key antibiotic usage, but also a increase in antibiotic appropriateness. And I think it's important that we assess both appropriateness and consumption when we're looking at AMS interventions. And so what aspects of this study and your results would you say are the most relevant to itchy readers? So I think we're all about, in terms of infection control and AMS, it's all about reducing consumption to improve antimicrobial stewardship. And we know any intervention that focuses on reducing consumption reduces AMR. So I think the ability here to re reduce carbapenems and glycopeptides, in particular in a US setting where these are common prescriptions in the ICU setting, I think this was a, a, a large relevance to the readership. Uh, I think also the ability to categorise our common things we do at the bedsides in terms of AMS recommendations is something that uh, itchy readers uh, will be able to utilise in their own day-to-day -day practice, but also when they're assessing the outcomes and interventions of their AMS studies. And lastly, can you talk about the limitations of this study and any future research questions that they may have raised? Yeah, so I, mean, I think with any quasi-experimental study before and after, we're limited by it being a non-randomised. It is also an experience in a single centre in Australia of which we have strong AMS uh, foundations and uh, good engagement and a national antibody prescribing guideline of which we can follow. So these are not the same in every country. The other thing is we, we still haven't examined what are some of the qualitative barriers and enablers to ICU cl uh, clinicians accepting our recommendations and I think long-term, we'd love to see that this program is sustainable and see ongoing reductions in key antibiotic usage, uh, particularly things like carbapenems and glycopeptides. So there's certainly a lot more work to be done and, and assessing the impact of this intervention over a longer period of time will help answer some of those questions. Great, well, thank you, Misha and Jason for taking time to speak with us today on the Itchy Podcast. Thank you. Thanks very much. Joining us next today is Shou-Yen Song, one of the authors of the article, Impact of Decolonization on MRSA Transmission and Infection in a Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. Dr. Song, before we begin, would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Absolutely. 
Um, my name is Xiaoyan Song. I am the director of the Infection Control Epidemiology Program at Children's National Medical Center in Washington, D.C. I'm also a professor in pediatrics at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Science. I am the senior author of the study and had the pleasure to work a group of people on this paper. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Um, would you give us a little bit of background for the study? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the first thing I want is to introduce is that Children's National Medical Center has a level four neonatal intensive care unit. Our NICU has been ranked as the number one NICU in the nation for the last three years by the U.S. News and World Report. It is really a testimony that we, as an institution and every provider, value the quality and the safety of our patients very, very highly in this unit and throughout the institution. And also, the second piece as far as the background is, in our NICU, we have a monitor MRC transmission for over a decade. And our strategy is always use data to derive action plans with the goal to reach zero transmission in the unit. Over the past many years, um, we have the unit maintained a very, very rigorous MR trans prevention process because we believe if we can reduce this transmissions, it's going to help improve the patient outcomes, specifically reduce the patient risk of getting MRC infections. So with this study, actually, it was really triggered. Like we have had this very comprehensive MRC prevention um, protocol in the unit for many years, and we still, from time to time, come across MRC transmissions. And from time to time, there will be a small spike to a point where we keep on like um, looking for the strategies where we actually first to eradicated those spike from time to time. It's not a sustained spike, but it's a very small spike. And secondly, and see if we can reduce the MRC, MRC transmission in this unit and furthermore. So to that extent, we have also um, discussed our protocol with institutions outside of the children's other institutions. And we learned that some institutions actually has been using the CHG enemy piercing as a decolonizing protocol in their NICU. And also granted in pediatric population in general, we are really strike um, for the fact that we don't have a good sample size where we can run a clinical trial, et cetera. So people have been doing this in practice, but the literature and thought-through studies much needed to support the practice. I think with that in mind, that's drove us to not only just that we needed to bring our MRSA down to zero, and that's the first primary thinking, and also wanted to share our experience with our peers so we can build our evidence body. But those are two fundamental reasons that we did this study. And so tell us what you did in this study and also what you found. 
So in this study, as we described, it's more of a retrospective summary of the data we actually been collecting. Not necessarily for this study, we've been collecting this data for the entire time period. Just so, like I mentioned before, we use data to derive our action plans all the time. So we went back and looked at the data again after we started using, after we introduced this decolonization protocol, which including includes the daily CHG baths and also including the purison use five days, twice a day for five days. After we introduced this new protocol to the unit, we continue monitoring the data and we went back and and just wanted to see what the data tells us. So that's where this data came from. But as we're looking back and we realized, we also wanted to highlight, not only we just introduced this new protocol, we actually have a very strong foundation with many MRC prevention measures already in place. So this new protocol really just addition to a very comprehensive protocol. It's not a standalone protocol. But bottom line is patient coming into our unit who screened positive for MRSA, we're going to continue using contact precautions, strict hand hygiene, and we'll also put a patient in private room as far as isolation goes. And in, in addition, if the child is old enough, means the child is already uh, one month old and also has the weight beyond 1,000 1, grammar, and they are eligible for this, um, for receiving CHG, daily basing, and mepuration twice a day for five days. And that's basically our studying population. And just as part of a standard practice, those patients will be continue monitoring and our data also recorded to find out if they continue having MRSA or the MRC just disappeared after we start using the protocol. That's where the data got summarized and it got published in this paper. And so what would you say are the key takeaways of this paper for itchy readers? I really want to emphasize this uh, called decolonization protocol. Like I mentioned before, it is add on to a very comprehensive MRC prevention strategy. For areas that has not done the basic infection prevention control and the basic MRC prevention strategies, I would strongly recommend the readers to start looking into that area before implementing the sophisticated strategies such as this decolonization protocol. And the second is as we are analyzing data, we're very, very pleasantly surprised by the fact we actually enhanced our equipment cleaning while we're doing this CHG decolonization. And actually that in, by enhancing the equipment cleaning actually help reduce MR transmission very significantly, even to an impact larger than the decolonization protocol themselves. So I really want to emphasize the basic infection prevention strategies, including cleaning, environmental cleaning, instrument cleaning, equipment cleaning, are very, very important. And before you take any more advanced approach, I really strongly urge the readers to look at the bottom and the fundamental infection control strategies. And lastly, 
did your findings raise any future research questions that you'd like to see investigated? Um, yeah, there's there are two ideas that um, we actually derived from by looking at our data. One idea is um, we actually come across uh, when we analyze the data, we realize that some patients, even though they are positive for MR, say by surveillance um, detection mechanism, but they later on develop MS is the infection which is susceptible to um, mesothelin or oxalin. And so we wanted to understand the relationship between this active screening and the patient's subsequent infection status and to really determine if a positive screening can predict MRC infection, yes, no. So that is a study we are actually um, started, already started, and hopefully will become a paper in the near future. A second component that we are interested in looking into is the um, whether improve or enhance family and a visitor um, their infection control practice will help reduce MRSA transmission in our unit. And so this is a little bigger study that we want to do eventually because when we thinking of improving infection prevention control practice in family visitors, we're thinking we may have to ask the families to wear personal protective equipment, which will come at the price of um, um, less interaction time with the babies, so which we really wanted to make sure we have a balance between the two factors before we can move this study forward. So those are two studies that we'll be interested in looking into it. Well, thanks, Dr. Song, for joining us today and sharing your research with our listeners on the Itchy Podcast. And thank you for this opportunity. This concludes episode 12 of the Itchy Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes, and thanks for listening.